Hello, I'm Chris Denton. And I'm Paul Monk. And we are... A very, very British, British horror. horror. Oh, I missed, I missed that. <laughs> I wanted to say a very British Christmas horror. Okay. Let's try that again. Do you want to try that again? Okay. Right. Hello, I'm Chris Denton. And I'm Paul Monk. And we are... are a, a very, very British, British Christmas, Christmas horror. horror. Oh, that got better. Too bad. Yeah. What are we talking about today, Paul? Uh, well, the intro music might give it away. Well, it won't because you won't have any idea. It's a, load of <laughs> <laughs> it's a choir singing a Christmas carol. That it's a very specific choir. A Christmas carol? Are we doing a Christmas carol? No. Okay. So the intro music's totally so that's misleading. That's not really scary. It's, well, no, well, that was. That, no, it's not. No, you're right. Yeah. But the, the the intro music is sung by the uh, choir from King's College, Cambridge, which uh, the provost of which was for many years Montague. Chris? No, I wasn't. It was <laughs> Montague Rhodes James. Excellent. Otherwise known as M R James. Yeah. Quite famous for his ghost stories. Yeah. Are we doing a ghost story, Paul? We, uh, I thought we'd do one of his romance stories <laughs> yeah. that, aren't, that aren't talked about very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very obscure these days, his, his romances. No, no, I think we can reveal that we're going to be talking about The Treasure of Abbot Thomas, which was the BBC adaption from 1974, the year of yeah. our birth. It was, yeah. And we're going to be talking about that specifically rather than... We, we, we'll talk about the, 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 the story that it comes from, but... We're specifically talking about the, the adaptation, which was part of uh, a ghost story for Christmas. Yeah, we're not trying to tread on the toes of the M.R. James podcast. But, uh, no. That's a great literary podcast, and I recommend that. Yeah. Listen to that once you've run out of episodes of A Very British Horror. Yeah. Listen to, obviously. Yeah. Listen to all of our episodes, then you can listen to those They're guys. a bit more highbrow than us. Yeah, because they're talking about literature. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, okay. <laughs> And they, but they do talk about the adaptions as well, so... They do, yeah. yeah. So yeah. probably their episode on that. But anyway, enough of this talking right, about okay. other podcasts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there are some great podcasts out there, right, frankly. I don't know why you downloaded this one. No, no, no. No, we do know. No, you should download this one. <laughs> ignore all the other podcasts. <laughs> um, okay. Um, this is, this is um, a ghost story for Christmas. So how about you tell uh, tell us a little bit about the the, the series, Chris? Because you're a big fan of this, I know. I love a ghost story for Christmas. Um, and a ghost story for Christmas actually started out as an omnibus documentary slash sort of well, not really a documentary, but omnibus was an arts um, series. Yeah. Like the South Bank Show. <laughs> 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 older listeners might actually remember Omnibus but um, I only really remember the South Bank show and um, Jonathan Miller from <coughs> Beyond the Fringe yep. he he, um, he adapted in about 68 or 69 Whistle and I'll Come to You my lad um, with Michael Horden uh, yep. as the, the lead character and it was a fantastic success yeah. and that that was also starring a bin bag and a sheet, if I remember rightly. The, the pretty frightening bin bag, <laughs> pretty scary sheets. Yeah, <laughs> but it was a, it's a, a fantastic performance by Michael. It is, Hall. yeah. Um, it's, it's great. And, and we can mock it, but it is actually quite scary. It is quite scary, and also, but also a deconstruction of the 
Emma James ghost story because yeah. Michael Horden's character is kind of sort of Emma James. Sort of. Yeah. It's not as good as the version of daytime TV show Doctors that did a version of it. Anyway. Recently. Yes. Or it's better. <laughs> much, much better. But we digress. So, um... The Digressing is what we do. It is what we do, isn't it? <laughs> We're four minutes, twenty seconds in and we've digressed. Yeah, this go on, get on with it. <laughs> we even digressed about digressing. Anyway, in the early 70s, a filmmaker called Lawrence Gordon Clark, a documentary filmmaker, made an uh, M.I. James adaption, The Stalls at Barchester. It was 1971, in fact. Uh, th- th- this was made and shown, and it starred Robert Hardy. And it was very influenced by the Jonathan Miller whistle. Or we, the Jonathan Miller one is not part of the Ghost Stories for Christmas, by no. the way. It's generally included because it was like the parent, but it yeah. wasn't actually one of the official ones. The first official one is the Stalls at Barchester. Because of the success of the Stalls at Barchester in 1972, there was another M.I. James adaption, A Warning yep. to the Curious, starring Peter Vaughan. Uh, Credible, this possibly the most famous and the best of them. Yeah. Um, and again, a tremendous success. So there was a third one, 1973, Lost Hearts. Really creepy story. Ooh, ghost children. Yeah. Um, very strange sort of accordion music. That's very good. And that takes us up to 1974, the fourth of the series. Yeah. The Treasure of Abbott Thomas. Which is what we're talking about now. Incidentally, just looking at the UK broadcast state of that, that was broadcast on exactly the same day as we are recording this now. 23rd of December. It was on very late as well, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was on at something like about 5 past 11 or something, or 11.35. Yeah. 11.35, I think. Which, uh, yeah. For, for, for like an original drama would be unheard of now, but... Yeah. They were far obviously a bit worried that it might be a bit too scary. Well, yeah, far fewer channels in those days, so you could bulk it out a bit more. Um, so the the two earliest ghost stories for Christmas were written by Lawrence Gordon Clark. Yeah, I believe that Lost Hearts wasn't. No, and then. This one, Treasure of Abbott Thomas, also wasn't. No. It, it was written by John Bowen. Yep. Who uh, was, for many years, the presenter of Bullseye. Yes. <laughs> or possibly, <laughs> I have it confused with Jim Bowen. No, John Bowen was a, a writer, a TV writer of the time. He, he What happened with um, A Ghost Story for Christmas is that they did another M.I. James adaption the following year, the Ash Tree. Um, sorry, yeah. sort of scary spiders that I had in it. And then in 1976, they changed and adapted a Charles Dickens ghost story called The Signalman, starring Denham Elliott. Amazing performance from Denham Elliott. Yeah. Um, then, then the series took a very dramatic wrong turn. And in 1977, there was an original, original present-day, not ghost story called Stigma. Okay. Um, which was 
well, we're talking 1977. By 1977, the Gothic era that we love so much had gone, and it was yeah. And, and you can see how Stigma is influenced by more influenced by The Exorcist than by uh, like Victorian horror in any of its Yeah, apparently it has a stone circle involved. And it's acts. It's um, it was an original story by Clive Exton, who was quite a good yeah. TV writer, but it's awful. It really is awful. Um, but then in 1978, the last ghost story for Christmas was yep. um, another original um, story, not really a ghost story again, called The Ice House. And right. that was written by John Bowen, but not directed by Lawrence Gordon-Clark, who the st- stigma was as far as he went. Um, but The Ice House is actually quite a lot better than The Stigma. Right. The Ice House is yeah. actually okay, whereas uh, that's kind of evil plants in a kind of... Um, <laughs> sanatorium kind of country health spa kind of place um, that's actually worth watching okay just stigma isn't and then um, even more up to date there's been a few attempts to revive the yeah. story for Christmas um, <coughs> most recent of which was last Christmas Mark Gatiss and last Christmas the Wham song I didn't realise that inspired a ghost story that's quite as a Doctor Who fan, I can't believe you still think of Last Christmas, the name of this year's Doctor Who story, as, <laughs> as, as being related to anything else. Um, in Christmas 2013, yeah. Mark Gatiss adapted the track, to- the track Take Mid-Off, yeah. which was, I don't know if you watched that, it was kind I did watch that, yeah. It, it was, I enjoyed that. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't bad. Um, yeah. Back in 2010, there'd been a whistle and I'll come to you with yeah. John Hurt, which... People don't like, but I enjoyed. And going back like ten years now, BBC Four did a couple. Um, and I would say of all of the modern ones, yeah. the first one, a View from a Hill, is by far the best. I yeah. recommend that. Okay. And then there was uh, number thirteen was two thousand five. Yeah. So that's wasn't there one that I remember vaguely a Christopher Lee ah thing to do with. M.R. James. So, no, you're, you're right. Um, was no, that's uh, a few years pre- prior to a view from a hill, I believe. There was yeah. there was um, Christopher Lee Reed's yes, M.R. James. And, and there were four, fireplace or something. four filmed readings of um, James' stories. Right. Mostly the James' stories that um, were filmed, actually. Uh, which three of... Three are on the... BFI Ghost Story for Christmas box set, uh, probably my favourite DVD box set in the whole history of, <laughs> of um, uh, home media, because um, it's also got some other really good stuff on there, that, that box set, um, but yeah, so th- those weren't full adaptions like a Ghost Story for right. Christmas, they, they, they had um, yeah, Christopher Lee t- telling his students, Christopher Lee playing M.R. James doing this, because M.R. Okay. James used to used to perform these stories to students at Eton. He yeah, was yeah the chit-chat club. Exactly. Uh, and so it was kind of a reenactment of that, right. with, with, with um, some film segments of um, action from the stories, but with no actors in them. So you'd get like props and creepy shadows and things. Yeah, okay. It was really good. And it's worth watching on that box set. And um, also um, there's a Robert Powell series of adaptions, uh, which are similar to the Christopher Lee ones. They're okay. basically readings. 
but they're absolutely awesome. That was back in the eighties, but they're really good. Okay. And they had um, they had a few, uh, again, they had a few um, inserts to stop it from just being a talking heads kind of a talking head kind of thing. But right. um, um, there was um, like there's a story wailing well. Which he reads, but then it's got a few old pictures of scouts. Okay. And and, and it's actually done really effectively, so that's great. And um, there was a, there was a, there was a little um, series called Spine and Chillers, which were like little ten minute Jack and Ori style okay. readings of Emma James stories. For me, I think that was even earlier, but that's like back in the seventies. But that was Michael Bryant, ah. and Michael Bryant is the star. Of the treasure of Abbott Thomas, yeah. and you can see from the, the way we've we've, we've run down that the big thing about these Emma James stories is there's usually a big performance from a from a top TV actor, yeah, and that tends to be what they are remembered for. And um, here you've got Michael Bryant, who we remember from the Stone Tape, yeah, and yeah. who was a really excellent actor, largely working in TV. Uh, well, and the stage, but um, this isn't a theatrical podcast. No. <laughs> and um, so Michael Bryant playing the Reverend Justin Summerton. Yep. And I think added to him is, is this new character, um, Lord Peter Dattering. Yeah. Played by a, a guy called Paul Lavers. Yep. And he's kind of a, a, a like... A, um, well, the juvenile lead. He's, yes. He, he, yeah. He's a student yeah. of, of, of Justin Summerson. And it's interesting because the idea of this juvenile lead is taken from Hammerstar yeah, horror. Yeah. They were always he's, in that. No, And no. It, this, this guy, I was convinced Paul Labors had been in Hammer or Amicus or something, but no, I mean, no. no. He, he was in Doctor Who. Uh, see, a, a fine TV um, actor. I think he, he, I'm trying to remember now because I haven't. I she looked I, this I, up, but I think he was in one of the um, Key to Time stories. And I think he's also some kind of presenter. Um, he's, he's he's still going. He's on Twitter. We should we should, okay. we should tweet yeah, him. Yeah, we should do. Um, yeah, but yeah. he he's 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 really good um, as as Lord Peter Datchery. Yeah. Um, who's not at all a character from? No, he's not in the story at all, is he? No. He's not, although there are elements of what he does. There we go. Androids of Tara. I thought it was the Androids of Tara. That's not a good one, is it? No, it is a good one. Prisoner of Tara? Is yeah, it? it's the one that's based on the Prisoner of Zender. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's not a good one. No, it is a good one. That's it, it, a fantastic performance by Peter Jeffrey. It, oh, I love him. Oh, no, he's a good, he's, yeah. he's a good old, old yeah. uh, British actor. So, is, is that from The Key to Time? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, um... That's, a, that's two or two references already. Um, There's also in Into the Labyrinth as well. Which oh, I've got to get that in. Right, so um, <laughs> Into the Labyrinth was like children's fantasy horror. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah which is out on network DVD, I notice. And I, oh, okay, yeah. Because no, I, remember, I remember being really creeped out by that. But it looks like, yeah, that the, the Treasure of Albert Thomas was his first uh, TV credit. Um, oh, were you, are we looking at IMDb? No, obviously, this is all stuff from memory. Excellent. Well, um, <laughs> could you remember um, Michael Bryant's IMDb page? Because um, 
that I, I saw one that was absolutely hilarious as I was I was refreshing my mind on his career. <laughs> um, so he he was in very few films, but if if you, Is you that look, him? yeah, that's him. Uh, Gandhi um, being one of them. He's also got a very small role in the Kenneth Branagh Hamlet. Well, they must have been pretty old by then. Um, but if you scroll, if you scroll down in your memory palace, yeah, to the uh, to the early seventies, you'll you'll see he was in a Johnny Spate film with a very um, of its time name. Let's see if I can spot it. <laughs> okay, he was in a film called If There Weren't Any Blacks, You'd Have to Invent Them. Yeah. <laughs> you I think we can safely say that, that that's probably not something we really want to watch. <laughs> um, yes. You can <laughs> never tell that the, uh, the writer of that was also the writer of Alf Garnet, could you? No. <laughs> um, yes, anyway, let's stop trawling IMDb. Um, now, there was. <laughs> we, we, we'd be stuck if we'd stop doing that, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, so, The Treasure of Abbot Thomas opens uh, with a scene that's not from the story. No. Which is a seance. Yeah. And um, this Lord Lord Peter is a sort of reluctant participant. Yeah. And, and his his mum is being... He, 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 I think there's a, a notion that he, his, his father is died fairly recently and his mother's taken to spiritual means to try and contact him uh, and, and this has become a, a little bit of an obsession yeah and I think that's sort of how he's introduced and then then the the um, is it Somerton Somerton yeah he's introduced via this this the, that that opening because um, well so the the, sec- the second scene is that um Peter goes to his old tutor. Yeah. Um, and um, his old tutor's looking at. Uh, he's in some abbey, isn't he? He's, he yeah. He's doing some yeah, research yeah. in some old abbey library. Um, monks all around, and yeah. um, he's found some legend about um, the the treasure of Abbot Thomas. Yes. I mean, basically, the, yeah. there's a large amount of concealed gold that no one was ever able to find, and. Yeah. Um, well, they assume it's gold. Assume it, it. It could be gold. Well, that's that's. It's not. Well, it's not. Well, clear, um, is it? or is it? Have I missed that? So no, I think it says it could be gold, but um, the um, then 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 Peter says you're treasure hunting, and Somerton bristles at that and says yeah. no, 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 <laughs> it's all academic research. Besides, the the uh, the abbot was um, an alchemist, i.e., a fraud, so it probably yeah, was yeah. all lead or. Yeah stone or something like that um so or alchemy as it said <laughs> so i can't remember who i think is that um i can't remember which character one of the characters pronounces it alchemy well which maybe is a sort of sub-branch of that <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not a real science it doesn't deserve real pronunciation <laughs> Um, but anyway, then Peter says, "Could you come to this seance my mum's doing?" And yeah, the, the, then the third scene is Somerton at the seance, 
and he breaks it up. And he, he, I think I think the point of that scene uh, as well. It's an introduced to, introduction to Somerton, but it also shows that he's a rationalist. So I think it's there to highlight that he has quite a rational view of a lot of uh, of supernatural things. Um, There's a, yeah, that, that that that's right. Um, and I, uh, that, that's that's why that scene exists for that and to introduce his character into the, the story. And there's a subsequent discussion um, that, that defines him as a rationalist, but it says, well, you, but he's not yeah. an atheist. Obviously, no, he's no. obviously irreverent, but obviously um, he has a, a, a... I don't know how you say this, some kind of justification for believing in... Christianity, but he doesn't believe yeah. in spiritualism. Yeah. But then, don't you see, that's quite an orthodox position. For uh, I'm not entirely exactly sure when this is set, this TV show. But I do know that the original story was written in 1904, 110 years ago. Yeah. And so, you, Edwardian would be about right, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, and of course, spirit- it certainly looks like that. Spiritualism was in full flight at this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a big craze in the the latter Victorian era, and and I'm not sure it was quite so so big in Edwardian sort of Edwardian times. Well, but it, I think it was it was still quite a thing. Well, you had Conan Doyle still going until 1930. I guess he kind of... But he he kind of converted over to it quite late. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, no, I think it it was a thing, but maybe, yeah. I think it's it's the right period. Yeah. I I think it's quite a clever set-up, because the guy's a rationalist, kind of, but he's not not really a rationalist, though. He's just a... Very learned, very yeah. sort of old but it's quite, school. But it's quite a sort of shorthand way of getting him in, because not only not only does you see that side of his character, he also has to introduce himself. We've, well, we've also um, we've also already been introduced to his Achilles heel, which is greed. Yeah, yeah. The um, story develops that um, there's there's a clue in in the book. Uh, about where to look for the next clue for the treasure. Yeah. And it's um, three or four saints, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's three. It's definitely three in the story. Yeah. And Peter goes, well, there's a, there's a stained glass window with them. And they their investigation continues and they go to the stained glass window. Yeah. And... Um, I mean, there's more background to that in the uh, in the story. Isn't there with about the stained glass windows? And well, in, in the story, it's, it's it's actually different. It's yeah, it's not it's statues, isn't it? In the story, am I right? No, no, the statues no. later, but right, it, it yes. is stained glass windows. But um, the 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 story's set, I believe, partly in it's Germany. Germany yeah, yeah. Whereas for re- budgetary reasons, the this the is set by a pond. <laughs> it's a, it's actually a really it's a fantastic location. Wells, Wells Cathedral. Yeah. 
but this is obviously um, English. The whole thing is, is in English, yeah, but yeah. Uh, the original story is uh, not. Um, and but the, the original story, the stained glass window is still prompting the investigation. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they've been transferred to England, but then yeah. the next clue is in Germany. So the the uh, Somerton goes over to to Germany, whereas yeah. uh, that doesn't happen in. No, no. The other thing I read, which was interesting to me, was that Mr. James was actually in the summer of 1904. Um, the, examining some stained glass windows which had come originally from Germany and he right, published yeah. a pamphlet about them um, a couple of years later. Right. Uh, so he, he was, he was in many ways, he, his career was quite similar to Somerton's. He was an antiquary. Yeah. He was interested yes, in this yeah. stuff. <laughs> so, well, the story is written in that way as well, isn't it? With him sort of explaining, sort of almost like the, he's, he's the narrator telling the story. In in the, the actual story, um, if that makes sense. So, well, the the in in the story, Somerton isn't the no, not, no. He is he is he does relay his tale. But yes, a, yeah, the, but the, 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 the M R James is the narrator, which is, which yeah, is why the uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, which is why yeah. the uh, the idea of Christopher Lee performing as M R James works so well because yeah. But then that's true of a lot of uh, certainly the earlier M.R. James stories were definitely like that because they were designed to be read out. Yeah, uh, they weren't necessarily. Um, well, this one. What I mean, they, they were they were they were designed to be read out to a group of people. That's how it that's how it worked. That's why he did it because he, 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 he wasn't a writer. Wasn't, no. He was a he yeah. was a teacher and antiquary. And yeah, this was this was a hobby. This was exactly. Yeah. Then, Reading goes That's the thing he's hobby. been most remembered for. And the treasure of Abbot Thomas was uh, the very last stories in the original collection. Yeah, the, in the first volume. Stories of an Antiquary. Yeah. So, which was a success, obviously a big success, but he had no idea that when he was writing it that it was anyone no, no. was ever even going to read it. No. He was just, it was just to be performed. So you're quite, you're quite yeah, right. Yeah. It was a challenge for the adaption because yeah, the adaption yeah. can't work like that. No. But in both, and, and particularly, let's talk about the TV Which is possibly one. the reason for introducing the, the new character is then you know, that there's, there's somebody to have a conversation with. And the conversation in the church is about the stained glass yeah. windows and they see um, there's, there's some kind of weird <coughs> biblical quotations by each of the saints, yeah, but it turns yeah, out they're not—they're not biblical at all. No, but clues. Yeah, uh, I think there's one. Uh, it's something like he has on his vestments writing, "No man seeth." Yeah, yeah. Which is a, like a clue that hey, look it's like at a crossword. Look at, look at the clothes. <laughs> well, it's it's, it's like this is it's three, two, one. This is detective fiction. This is this is a detective ghost story. It's yeah. the only. Uh, ghost story for Christmas that's like yeah. this. I think it's the only Emma James story that's like this. Yeah. Apparently, he did like um, detective stories. Obviously, yeah, yeah. Uh, the great era of Sherlock Holmes was now. Yeah. But the but yeah, uh, it, Somerton's like an investigator. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
maybe more like Father Brown than Sherlock Holmes, but he's definitely an investigator. Yeah, and yeah. Um, between in the TV one, between <coughs> him and um, Lord Peter, they they kind of decode that there's some. I can't remember if they have to go back. They think they think they have to go back, don't they? But yeah, um, there's that little sort of montage bit where they they're trying to figure out what what things mean. Well, aren't they? Is that right? And or is that later on? Oh no, that's doing, later on. That's, yes, when, that's, that's, when, they've, that's when they've worked out. Yeah, because because anyway, they um, spoilers obviously. Um, the the right there's this writing hidden on the stained glass yeah. under the uh, under the lead yeah and uh, it, it's like uh, it's been covered up by pretending to be shadows in the, yeah in yeah. the robes that the yeah. saints wear um but they 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 kind of rub that off which yeah. strikes me as tremendously destru- destructive it's like, yeah oh yeah yeah rub off a layer of the, the stained glass but they don't know they sort of chisel it off with a, yeah. with a knife so it's sort of, and and I did when they were doing that. I did think, is there not anybody in the church that's going to come and go, "Oi, what are you doing? <laughs> Get out of there!" Well, yeah. And 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 Summerson again says, "Look, no one can think we're treasure hunting. This has to be it ruin my reputation. This has to be like uh, completely academic, yeah. <laughs> you know." Yeah. Um, and, but they reveal the writing and it's gibberish. Yeah, yeah. That so that's when we get the little montage thing where. Yeah. Um, is you can almost you can almost it's like almost like the A team with that with or they're trying to work something out and well and you you can imagine a sort of tense bit of music over it. There's a there's a really bit that that, that I thought was quite I thought was quite funny where they're they're obviously trying to work out what these letters mean and they're trying different ways of jumbling it up. And at one point, um is it Peter the yeah, he he, he folds it up into what looks at it he's got it on a little circular bit of paper and he folds it up in a certain way that looks like you know when you were at school and there's those things that the girls used to make yeah out I saw that yeah yeah where you would they would have four numbers on the outside you'd pick a number and they'd, they'd fold it in and out yeah yeah I and remember then, that and then eventually you'd, you'd unflip a corner and it would say you smell or something stupid yeah. like that I thought it looked a bit like that, a bit like that, and, and that got him nowhere. But no. eventually they do crack <laughs> the code, and, yeah. and it says um, something like "go." It's to, to do. It's to do with the 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 number of fingers, the the, the um, figures in the stained glass are holding up, and that gives them the code to which letters to pick out. That's right. Yeah. 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 And then um, it, I think it's, does it send them to the top of the uh, abbey? Well, it is, it's all to do with somebody, isn't it, to do with what's the clue they get. It's all about looking down. He looks down to see what is hidden. Yeah, that's it or something, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then there's also a warning about a guardian. Yeah, yeah. But So they they go to the top of the um, the abbey. They, um, Again, I'm just remember that because the the, cause the, the, pers- the figures holding the fingers up are uh, numbers three, two, and one. Is three, two, one? The Ted Rogers connection <laughs> is is little talked about in academic circles, yeah. but it's clearly there. <laughs> it's clearly there. Um, uh, I bet the Guardian turns out to be Dusty Bin. Let's 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 wait and find out. <laughs> I, the the joy of having Wells Cathedral as the location, it's a, 
Um, they send Michael Bryan right up to the top of World's yeah, Cathedral, yeah. and it looks really good. And there's gargoyle and scary yeah. gargoyle, and um, he basically looks where the gargoyle looks, and yeah. you can see kind of a, a hidden um, entrance. It's like a yeah, no, a crypt yeah, that, that yeah. you can only you really can't see from anywhere other than yeah. above. Yeah, and, and apparently, um, uh, according to uh, Clark, actually, that's just the gargoyle was just there looking at that um, right. crypt, so they used it. Right, uh, okay. It's not the same as the description in the story, which is kind of like a massive well with yeah. steps on the inside. Yeah. It's slightly different. So he said, well, we couldn't use that. There was never no yeah, such well, thing. Yeah, you would never find it. So, yeah. yeah. And, but the, the, they were just, by happenstance, there was something yeah. they could use at this. And, and there's a point here as, as well where he's not happy being up there. He's not good with heights. That's that's right. That's right. He, he uh, he's forcing himself. It's, it's yeah. It's not academic inquiry that's um, causing him to do this though. He's no. just, he's after the money. Yeah. And and uh, but but that leads us into the the bit where he he's he's obviously not feeling too good because he doesn't like the heights and he's feeling a little bit dizzy. But uh, and 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 then oh, there's some kind of yeah. There's some sort of bam or something kind of. Flaps around. Yeah, not one of the world's greatest special effects. In fact, no, no it, special effects at all. No, it, it works quite well though. I thought. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, he's undeterred. Someone's undeterred. And yeah. In fact, um, just possessed with greed, he he comes back on his own. So yeah. Lord Peter yeah. is ditched, ditches him, and he goes down into this crypt, which is. Really creepy. Yeah. Obviously, just a real crypt or something. It's a tunnel with, uh, uh, like a. It's probably some kind of um, dra- like massive drain, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. But something like that. Anyway, he wades through to the middle, and he, there's another clue which is yeah. like the stone with the five eyes on. I think, and he yeah, finds that. Yeah, and it's all yeah. brilliant. Uh, goes in, it, finds the treasure, but. Yeah. Also finds the Guardian. Yeah. And um, oh, then he he well, <laughs> cut away. There's some kind of um, effects it, and it, creepy it's gothic not, stuff. It's not, it's, yeah, I mean that's done really, really well. And and there's there's sort of there's some sort of gunge. I it, it's really hard to make out exactly what it is. There's some sort of gunge and uh, head of presumably Abbot. Thomas laughing because it does mention about how yeah he he laughed earlier on and then some really spindly fingers and then you don't really see much else uh, and but in a bit of in a little bit there's a little bit of um, foreshadowing as as they go back when he goes back there because there's a bit where where there is a, a stone face as part of the wall that has a slug that's crawling right round the mouth. And then there's um, a couple of more sort of slugs appear as he goes down into the tunnel, which is like a sort of foreshadowing of the slimy, gungy thing. Yes, I, th- I, think, I, think, I think that's right. But when the action kind of normalises again, yeah. Somerton's locked himself in his room. He's obviously yeah. got some kind of uh, posh lodgings in the town. And yeah. look, Peter... He's the only one that can get into him. The landlady can't get yeah. him. And there's been a lot of um, gunge. A lot of uh, slime. That trying to get him overnight. He, and yeah. um, 
so Summerton is absolutely terrified and um he ignore where well, he, he he's got a big bag of money. He's, yeah. But but he's he <clears throat> he wants Peter to put it back. He's like, I yeah. made a terrible mistake. Yeah. And he's he's been stuck in there. We get the impression he's been in there. Is it a couple of nights or something? Uh, yeah. And yeah. and um, he's been barricading himself in, and he 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 mentions about there being terrible. Sounds is it or well, that, well, that's, or something that's and, and, right. and and the landlady's actually clearing <coughs> off the, the slime gun. under she, the yeah under she's the clearing door. but she's clearing off the yeah. stairs so it's obviously come for him yeah um but not got to him no so um but Lord, whatever what, does happen it leaves a mark on his face as well oh yeah so he has that kind of well I think the the hands the hands yeah. touched him hasn't it yeah back down in the tunnel um yes so. Then Peter does his duty, yeah. goes back down, puts the treasure back. Yeah, so Lord um, Peter has put the treasure back. Yeah. The curse is lifted, we think. Yeah. And the shattered nerves of Somerton means he can't look after himself. Yeah. Obviously, Lord Peter's just going, all right, come and live with me for a bit, yeah. come and stay with me. And so we see him staying at the, the family manor house in his wheelchair yeah. and uh, Lady Dattering, who's cured of her spiritualism, just but has some kind of crazy maiden on yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, they chat idly away with. And then they go, oh, look, it's your doctor, uh, your physician. Yeah. And they leave the Reverend Somerton to talk to his precision and they go in and then Somerton looks up and ah it's not a precision it's some kind of monk yeah. and and it, the the story ends with Somerton obviously meeting his comeuppance or horrible <coughs> death yeah so I wasn't sure that that was that obvious from the ending or it could just be a doctor wearing a cow but yeah but I've been given that he's spending a lot of time with monks at the beginning and to me, that didn't seem that clear whether that was something that was meant to be threatening or whether it was. I, I think it's kind of a twist. Because you ending. don't see anything, do you? He just walks up to. Well, him. I suggest yes, the power of suggestion. But to me, it didn't really suggest that there was anything untoward there necessarily. No, to me, it was definitely a, oh, okay. it was definitely Summerson is buying the big one. Right. But then you, you, it's not; it's very underplayed. Yeah. There's no. There's no. There's no sort of. It's not played in a way that that the figure coming towards him. Okay, he's got a hood on. But it's not made obvious that that's supernatural in any way. Well, actually, if you if you, it's really good directing because in fact uh, initially. The figure coming towards him as a top hat is obviously like uh, an Edwardian gentleman. Right. Uh, but as he gets closer, then he's got the cow. So there's kind of a little transformation that. there. You have to watch that. Well, either that's either I'm imagining that, in which case the power <laughs> of suggestion again, or or that's that's definitely a little technique. Do you think? Yeah. I don't know. Are you just pulling it up now to verify that what I'm claiming? <laughs> Don't fact check. 
Oh no, I hate it when people <laughs> check what I'm, whether what I'm saying is true or not. Hey, look, we we don't fact check very often in this podcast. Well, that's true. God, no, I just, I just, to me, it all just seemed a bit ambiguous. But if that, if that is the case, see, so you, you thought it ended on just someone just having a nice, some, friendly visit. Yeah, by well, his I just thought local doctor who. Um, had a, a bit of a back in the Edwardian like age, you could get the doctor to come out to your house. Nowadays, yeah. no, you've got no chance. Right, let's have a look. Of course, you had to pay for it. Yeah. Oh, no, no, you're absolutely right. I knew I was right. See? That's yeah, top hat, and then... Yeah, Somerton. Go, there's the doctor. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, he's in his bath chair, isn't yeah, he, yeah. with his blanket over his legs. Yeah, Frank, and then, Frank, they, then they all leave, and um, that's when. Yeah, the two. The it's two, taken an awfully long time to walk there, but this is build up. This is build up. See, this is a disadvantage of watching this when you're commuting to work. I sat and watched this in, on Victoria Station. So yeah. They're now cow. Yeah, okay. No, you're right. And there's the sunshine behind. and. Oh, yeah. And then he's got... Look, look, did you see the face? Yeah, yeah. He's He's got like a, ga- a ghastly face. That, yeah. That, no, that's not going to be his friendly doctor. He doesn't have a ghastly face. Well, he, no. No, he did. <laughs> there's some kind of slimy face. No, but that's that's cutting... That's that's a flashback. Oh, the, you're gonna, oh, flashback. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, but yeah, that. no, I... I, I, I I missed the bit with the top hat, so yeah. Uh, it's very good. Lawrence, Lawrence Gordon Clark was a really good yeah. director. Warning to the Curious, which we'll probably cover one day, yeah. is, is um, very kind of Hitchcock inspired in suspense and really, really achieved it. He he, he went on to, um, well, he just went on to do more TV, sadly. Um, he did uh, an adaptation of Casting the Runes for ITV. It's not right. as good as Night as the yeah. Demon. Night of the Demon, yeah. <laughs> um, that we, we talked yes. about in yeah. that other podcast we did. Um, and then he, he just did, did a load of TV until, uh, until he retired. Yeah. So it was his kind of crowning achievement. But what I love, what I love about this, because you know I love these. Yeah. Because I, yeah. I, I love that while Hammer and Amicus were doing the films, the, the BBC and ITV, they, they were doing good horror stuff as well. Yeah. It was a whole... I mean, TV and film was they were doing different things, but, yeah. but they were they were doing great great horror fiction. It, it was a golden age, and this this from right at the end of the film period, nineteen seventy four, um, does show what a golden age it was. I mean, it was late night TV, and it was amazing. Late night TV yeah. now isn't amazing. No, TV isn't amazing. No, and. Uh, you should watch The Signalman on, yeah. on your way to Victoria Station because that's that, that, <laughs> the, uh, the the being on the train and being in the station and stuff. The ambience will add to that rather than detract from it as possibly happened. Okay, yeah, no, I think it was just because that was the very end, and I, I I missed that 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 key point. And obviously, when you go back on it, it I've also watched this a few times. Yeah. You, you can probably tell I'm quite yeah. enthusiastic about this stuff. Yeah. Okay, well... I mean, am I right in saying you've watched 
Uh, Whistle and I'll Come to You, the Michael Holden yeah. one. But a lot of these other ones you haven't watched? No. Oh, no. You've got just so many great well, maybe experiences I'll, maybe to I'll, come. I'll try and treat myself to the box set. Yeah. If you buy the, the, the there's two versions of the box set. Right. If you buy the second version, you get the Robert Powell stuff as well, and the Michael Bryant spine chillers. That's just okay. like a special extra disc they added. All right, brilliant. So is that that's not the version that you've got, or no? I but no. I have got the Robert Powell stuff as well because I bought it separately. Oh, okay. Did I mention how much I love this? You did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, and it, of course, a Christmas. I don't know because you think Halloween would be. A Christmas, well, no, Halloween would be the traditional ghost story time, but it is it is Christmas yeah, and no, Christmas Eve, that, isn't it? And that that's I think a tradition that predates the sort of M. R. James stuff doesn't just come from from that. I think it is a tradition that he was just following. He wasn't yeah, I mean, I mean, I know Dickens did did similar things. Obviously, the most famous one. Was a Christmas Carol, but as you you rightly say, that's, that, that's that, is, that is a ghost story. It's not really horror, but it no, is, it is a, no, definitely a ghost story. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, the signal is, is yeah, I think there was a tradition of that. Mm. Yeah. Really, and of course, Dick, Dickens with the Christmas Carol kind of created modern Christmas, but also yeah. maybe at the same time linked Christmas with ghost stories, which is yeah, which, which is. Um, in the modern imagination, because the tradition might not have lasted yeah, had it not yeah. been, no. had it not been for that. So, and that M. R. James obviously was a, um, a, a key exponent of it. I mean, M. R. James is one of my two very favourite writers of short fiction. Yeah, uh, H. P. Lovecraft being the other one, and I think they go together really nicely. Yeah, mm. very Lovecraft, different. Very different. H. P. Lovecraft, of course, not British, but <laughs> we've covered him as well, thanks to his. Yeah. Uh, British horror film. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah uh, well, different, but Lovecraft did write an appreciation of M.R. James. He obviously was a big fan. It was one of yeah. his influences. Yes, yeah. no, he, he, you can, he mentions him in his essay. You can, in, uh, you can see that. Some, yeah. of, some of the, I mean, um, this story, Treasure Rabbit Thomas, it makes up a load of old tomes. Like, it gets the... Yeah. The, something like... Um, the Norbertium or something, the <laughs> whatever it was. I mean, and of course, Lovecraft loved to make up old manuscripts. Yeah, yeah. Economicon, obviously, being the most fam- famous old, old book he made up. So, so yeah. I think you can, you can, you can see the, you can see, see the influences. Um, but James, of course, this is British horror, and he's our version. Now, James is, is many things, and one of the things he is is R. H. P. Lovecraft. <laughs> That's my argument, anyway. <laughs> I can see you're not convinced, <coughs> but at the same time you are no, convinced. No, he's 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 very good. I like M.R. James, but I think he's very different from from Lovecraft. Although there's I suppose there are similarities. There's there's lots of sort of um, odd monsters, for want of a better word, in M.R. James, in the same way that there are in Lovecraft. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Lovecraft, Lovecraft, kind of. Almost science fictionalizes them to a degree. Well, Lovecraft did that at the which end, is, which is his, in his later writing. I mean, the, only, he, he, the he, earlier stories, not so much, but yeah, the later ones. His, his later stories went much more towards science fiction because yeah. he, he, his earlier stories, he was using 
suggestion and kind of a, a, a yeah, tiny yeah. glimpse of something vast and horrific. Yeah. And um, he decided to explore that a bit more and then made up a, a whole, like, uh, they're actually aliens kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah. I mean, the colour out of space um, yeah. is pure science fiction, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's from space. Whis- Whisper <laughs> in Darkness, that's another pure science fiction one. Um, oh, God, goodness, what, what's it called? That... Um, um, the, the the later one, the graphic novel of which by Ian Colbard was very good, which I could almost <laughs> see over there. Oh damn it! I don't think my cable's going to be long enough. What's, what's it called? Aha! Here it is: the Shadow Out of Time. Yes, Shadow Out of Time. Yeah. That's that's a kind of um, science. That's completely yeah. science fiction. Yeah. It's kind of a, a um, like a brain transfer. They they kind of body swap. Yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's. I mean, it's very good, but then n- not at all a ghost story. <coughs> or British. No. So, maybe Wait, we've, di- we've digressed. Ad- maybe we've digressed again. Yeah. Right. Okay, well, shall we wrap wrap this up? Wrap this up, see it's Christmas, Christmas present. Wrapping. Yes. Yes, let's, let's, let's wrap it up. Um, for now. Yep. Um... Let's do our three questions. Okay. So, did you enjoy this? I'd rather as if we need to ask that from what you've been saying, but yeah. But did you enjoy it? That's why I'm interested. I did enjoy it. Yeah. It 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 was it was great. It's good atmosphere. Um, I think I think the half hour worked well. I think it didn't sort of overstay its welcome. Sometimes I think ghost stories and they need to be quite short. I think I think they can get. The problem is the longer they are, the more the temptation is to explain stuff, and that can yeah. kind of ruin it. So I, I think this is a, a really good length for Ghost Story. That's just reminded me of watching Remember Me recently. Which is three 50-minute episodes. Which is three 60-minute three episodes. Blimey. But, um, but yes, yeah. So that, is that, that any good? Um, yes and no. There are some good bits. I think overall the story was was interesting. But it, it just it just it used a lot of cliches and and then the, 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 which is fine. Don't have a problem with that. But it, I think it, it because it was a, a longer a longer story. They introduced lots of other elements to it, and they introduced a lot of the cliches were used too often. So. You know, there's nothing wrong with a ghost story of using cliches because they're they're the way almost that you you can signal that that people understand what what what's going on and what what what's what's sort of happening. But yeah, they they use them too too frequently. I think it could have easily been just a, a, a one-off. What put me off even watching it was the length. I just thought that's not going to work. And yeah. I, and you, and, yeah. And we discussed it before. You could see. That it looked to me like a like a very long M.R. James adaption. It was all that kind of stuff, wasn't there? A scene on a beach with a ghostly figure. And you just think, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that that becomes that becomes important later on, and it all becomes you know, you, you understand exactly why that figure's yeah. there and what they're doing. And yeah, um, what what the ghost is. Explain too much. That's the thing. Yeah. So. But, uh, but there were some nice bits in it. But it I just, love Michael Palin, but yeah. what's the second question we usually? Right, the second question is: is does this hold up production-wise and oh, everything? 
lastly, lastly, there's a couple of things which are a little dated, but the um, I think these ghost stories more than the kind of um, Hammer style films, the ghost stories actually benefit from being on um, kind of saturated 16mm, 70s yeah. co- colour film yeah. that doesn't look anything, it looks completely out of time. It looks as old as the setting. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and I don't think these ghost stories would work um, if it's all if it looks too modern, I think that's one of the problems. Yeah, I mean, the exactly. track take mid off. That's yeah. probably one of the problems with the track take mid off. Um, and I think certainly when they did a couple of the modern day ghost stories for Christmas at the end, it was just like just seventies. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, it's you can very successfully do modern day contemporary setting, normal setting ghost stories. We saw yeah, that in Ghost yeah. Watch with the semi-detached house. Yeah. But um, that was almost a reaction against if we, if we the ghost cover, Christmas. If we ever cover the Nigel Neal series Beasts, the f- well, there's an episode in that called Baby, which I think is one of the most effective ones. And that nicely, that uses a modern setting. It sort of clashes a modern setting with an older setting. And that works quite well. Yeah, um, I'm, so it is possible, but the uh, but yeah, but I th- I think this sort of production works quite well anyway because I think it, it's something that British TV is very good at. That whole costume, it's almost like a costume drama setting, isn't it? And 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 we're very good at that. Well, this this was kind of these these were costume dramas that were that were made with the leftovers from the bigger well, yeah, ones. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But but they they always work really well because we 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 know how to do them. Well, I think um, British TV drama costume drama is about the only thing we really can do. But that's, yeah. a, that's a discussion for another time. <laughs> oh, oh, and Doctor Who, obviously. Yeah. Um, and the third question. The third, third question is, is is was it scary? I think it's quite scary. So like tomorrow night, um, Christmas Eve. Um, I'll probably watch one of one of these, and it'll probably be quite creepy. Yeah. It's not going to be horrifying, but um, it's not it's not ghost watch level scary. No, but no, it, they're, they're gently effective. It wasn't it, I, I, it wasn't creepy, but then I was watching it on on the train, so a lot, uh, a lot of it is context. Yeah, it? I think if you if you watched it on your own in a darkened room, it would it would do its job and be quite. Well, the reason effective. I suggested this one was not because it's the scariest, but because I really like the the mystery, the unraveling of the yeah, mystery yeah. of Abitonis. I think it's in, I think it makes the story really interesting. Yeah, it's almost a kind of almost like a ghost story, Edwardian Indiana Jones in a way. Oh, actually, it, it, it's you, not far off you, that. You could you could you could um, you could actually adapt it. And get quite close to yeah. an Indiana Jones. You could see <laughs> international Indiana Jones, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. See. All the pieces are there, like the, the the trying to find the puzzle bits of the puzzle and work them out to lead them to the treasure, and then the treasure has some sort of supernatural element to it. Needs Nazis. You it get does Nazis need Nazis in there. Perfect, you done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I think that I think that uh, completes <coughs> our evaluation of. The Treasure of Abbott Thomas. What are we going to do next? 
Okay. Make it British, Paul. It, Completely this, British. This, this 100% British. This is obviously British. 100% British. Um, right. Well, today it was announced that the, the very sad news, bit of a downer, that the actress Billy Whitelaw had died um, in her 80s, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and I've always thought she was quite a, a brilliant actress. She was most recently in Hot Fuzz, which we've probably talked about when we did Shaun of the Dead. Very good film. And she's great in that. Um, uh, and, and I was having a look through, like, I thought maybe it'd be nice to do a tribute to her, so something like for her filmography. Um, she was had a sort of small to medium part in uh, The Flesh and the Fiends, which I think we might cover at some point. But um, uh, there's one film in particular that she was in that both Chris and I am very keen to do. Um, and, and sort of almost needed a bit of an excuse to do it because uh, it could be you, you could argue that it's British. It was filmed over here with British crews. Most of the cast, in fact, nearly all the cast are British. Um, it might be directed by uh, somebody who's not British. Very, very by common. someone who's not British. Very common, though. But, British um, cinema. But screw it, we don't really care because we just want an excuse to do this and Billy Whitelaw has quite a major role in this and she's fantastic and, and it'd be a good tribute to her. So we are doing, if you haven't guessed, The Omen, Britain's. which is one of my all-time favourite films. It, it's amazing, it's Britain's The Omen, we'll have to refer to it <laughs> as The British The Omen. Yes. And um, I'll look forward to yeah. reviewing that, that. That Richard Donner, the director, he's obviously not the one who did Superman. He's obviously a, a British version of that. And Gregory Peck, the British Gregory Peck, yes. <laughs> playing the uh, British ambassador to Britain. Yeah. I'm, I'm over-egging this, aren't I? You are. <laughs> yeah. they, they, they are mostly the only British uh, American actors and, and um, characters in it, though, aren't they? Well, well, as far as I can recall, yeah. the people I remember in it are those and Patrick Troughton and um, Leo McKern, yeah. I think, and David Warner. David Warner. Leo, yeah, Leo McKern's in the first one as well as the second one, isn't he? I don't know. I don't know. Or is Leo McKern just in the second one? I can't one? remember, to be honest. No, I, I think he's just in the second one. I don't think he's in the first well, one. Well, this is one of the questions that we're going to be answering so there next we go. time. So there we go, you see. We're, we're building it up, hyping up. Will Leo McCann be in the original Omen? Find out by looking on IMDb. Or by listening to our next podcast, which probably won't be, I imagine will be sort of like the second week of January. Something like that. Yes. Or so we're going to have a nice Christmas break. And, um, and obviously, I... obviously we hope you will have a nice Christmas break as well. Yes, I, I hope all of our listeners um, and everyone... Everyone I, I know, everyone I've ever met, with a couple of exceptions, has a really very merry yes. Christmas, and um, we'll see you in a, what is going to be a happy new year. Yeah. But until that point, I have been Chris Denton. <laughs> and I still am Paul Monk, and seeing us out, as this is a nice special Christmas treat, we have none other than Sir Christopher Lee, who will be singing his... Song. Latest song, which latest was released, which was, yes, it's <laughs> his latest Christmas song, which was released um, earlier this month. The um, rather interesting "Darkest Carols" 
Faithful Sing. Enjoy. So enjoy. If you like it, go and spend 99p buying it so that um, so that Christopher Lee can uh, boost his pension. Good night. Good night. <laughs> Oh,